But it's so great to be with all of you and to see your faces or half of your faces. Um, it is still wonderful to be in the room together with you and to worship online with all of you who are participating in our worship this morning. Um, today, I want us to look at another metaphor of the church. And a picture of it starts back, um, a picture I saw of it in person is back in 2017. I went on a pilgrimage to Ireland just to get a better understanding of Christianity and some of the influences and deep spirituality that we can glean from. And as we took the bus, there was a lot of rain. Ireland is known for rain, which keeps it so green. And it's beautiful, so green. But all along the way, one thing, one of my favorite, favorite parts of the trip was just like looking out the window. And sometimes we got to go out and kind of be near these things. But what you would see on these green hills all over were these white little flecks. And they were the sheep. And so these flocks of sheep were just scattered all throughout the Irish countryside. And then here and there, you would see a shepherd. And that picture of these animals in their element, enjoying the best grass. This is well-watered, delicious grass, I'm sure. And under the care of that shepherd just spoke to me. I'm a city girl. I grew up here. I was born here. Um, But something about that pastoral country image was just so touching that these animals were well-fed, well-cared for, and under the care of a shepherd. Something about that scene. And so the metaphor we're going to look at today is that of a flock. We've been looking at the family, the body, the bride, but today is a flock. And there's a cartoon here that I have that maybe shows a little bit of a true characteristic of sheep. And so we have here a little cliff, and clearly cliffs are dangerous. We should not go near a cliff. But there's a whole flock of sheep just like running towards this edge. And the guy, the sheep in the back says, I don't know where we're going, but from the look of this crowd, it's got to be good. And they're all just (laughs) going right over, following each other, but to what? To the edge of a cliff. And this is actually a true story. I mean, it's a comic uh, to reflect on the sheep flock mentality of moving together. They genuinely, if one sheep moves, the others will follow. Um, Shepherds know this, and so they work with the sheep so that they follow each other in the right direction. But in 2005 in Turkey, this truly happened, and I'm sure it happens multiple times, but it was a big incident because there was a herd, a flock of 1,500 sheep, a lot of sheep, and they were grazing very contentedly. And so the shepherds felt it was safe to, like, you know, just wander off just slightly to the side so that they could have some breakfast together. And the midst of it, in just an instant, one of the sheep must have seen a patch of grass that looked especially enticing right across a cliff. And sheep have terrible depth perception. Note to us, perhaps we don't recognize dangers when we encounter them, uh, but they have terrible depth perception. So they saw it, thought it could make that bit of a jump, but that sheep was not able to get there. And so it fell off a cliff. And there was 1,500 sheep on this hillside. And so one after another followed each other and 400 sheep died. That was devastating for these shepherds. But they couldn't do anything about it because sheep huddle together. They have, they're hardwired to follow each other. And so they follow each other right off. And 400 died, but the rest survived because they landed on the sheep that went first. And so they were padded by those sheep. But how crazy is that? This cartoon was real. And it's interesting to me that God chooses a flock of sheep as his analogy for us, his people, his church. Because back then, 
Goats and sheep were raised together. So he could have chosen goats. It was common to see goats and sheep. But over and over again throughout scripture, we see that God chooses a flock of sheep as his picture for his people. He calls out the bad shepherds who have caused his sheep to be scattered, to be, you know, preyed upon. He constantly refers to his people as his sheep that he wants to take into his arms, that he wants, he weeps over. And so there's this picture of a flock of sheep. But when we look at that image of, wow, they just jump off a cliff, it doesn't seem very flattering. Um, So what is it about this metaphor that, you know, God is wanting to show us, us who are, you know, at New Life, we're city dwellers. We don't take care of sheep. This is not something that we relate to very often. So we'll take a little bit of a deeper look at this metaphor to help us understand why perhaps God chose the image of a flock of sheep not goats, who are smarter, more independent, but vulnerable, dependent sheep as a picture of us. And so today we're going to look at John 10, verses 11 through 16, and then I'll pray to open us up. So in John 10, 11, it says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep. So when he sees a wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me, just as the father knows me and I know the father and I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice and there shall be one flock, and one shepherd. Let's pray. God, we come to you um, this service, and we just are grateful uh, for your word because it is a lamp to our feet. It directs us. And God, there's something in this picture that you call us your flock. You call us your, you say that you are our shepherd. And so God, help us to see more of you, become more intimate with you through this picture that you've given to us and help us to see you in fresh new ways. We thank you that we belong to you as our shepherd, um, that you are a shepherd. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So when we look at the the picture of a flock of sheep, it's not something we readily, you know, recognize. And so I want to share some things that back then when Jesus was saying this passage that we just took a look at, there are some things that in that agricultural setting and culture that people would have picked up right away that perhaps we would miss because we don't, we're not around sheep. The first thing is really simple. A sheep, one individual sheep, if someone saw one sheep, they would know, oh, this sheep belongs to some flock. You don't see sheep and go, oh, maybe this one's just lost somewhere, and this one's astray, oh, and this one, this one belongs to a flock. Now, all the sheep that they saw all around them, wandering, grazing, making noise, they belong to somebody's flock. And so it's just a basic thing, but every sheep belongs to a flock because they need to. They're hardwired to follow each other because it's protective. There's no defense that they have. They're just woolly creatures. There's no claws. There's no fangs. So if a predator comes, the best that they can do is huddle together. And they huddle together for warmth. They huddle together against the heat. It protects them from the heat. And they huddle together to protect them against predators. And there's not much that people can, you know, they can do if a predator comes is that maybe stamp their hooves. So they are very 
huddling and being together in a flock is very important to them. And the picture for us as a church, because we are the flock of Christ, is that we also, there's no Christian that's just siloed on their own. Like this one's there and this one's following Christ and this one's a church by herself or himself. But to be a Christian means that we belong to the flock of Christ. There's no alternative. And so my question to you today is, how is your connection with this flock? Does it feel more individual or do you feel a sense of flockness, that you are part of a flock, that there is other sheep related to you? The second basic thing is that if anyone saw a flock, they would instinctively know someone is in charge of this flock. There is a shepherd related to every flock. A flock belongs to a shepherd in the same way the church belongs to our shepherd, Jesus. There is no flock that, because they're so vulnerable and dependent, there's no flock that is without a shepherd. And let me share with you some things about sheep, why they're so vulnerable. In our passage today, it says, you know, about the higher hand and the shepherd, and it says, when the wolf, when he sees the wolf coming, and the words are not if the wolf is coming, when he sees the wolf coming. At some point in time, when you're taking care of delicious looking, you know, mutton, <laughs> walking mutton or sheep, there's going to be predators who are hungry and wanting some delicious lamb or other older sheep, and they're going to come along. And so sheep are vulnerable because there's no, they are definitely going to be prey to somebody. There, some, some predator is going to want them. On top of that, they're weak and defenseless against all these elements. In the desert, there can be freezing cold nights. Um, there's super hot days with winds that blow across the desert, which can be very harmful for the sheep. Uh, sheep need food and water like us. But in the summer, because it's so hot in the desert, if they don't have water every single day, they will die. And so a shepherd's responsibility is in the winter or the cooler days to be at least 20 miles from a water source and in the hot days, at least 10 to 12 miles. So shepherd's constantly looking like, okay, how fast can these sheep go? I have some that are nursing. I can't go too fast. And they're calculating constantly on behalf of the sheep because sheep are going to die if they're pushed too quickly to like, all right, we're still hours from the water source. Let's go, let's go. And if you push sheep too hard, the flock can have fatalities. And so they're vulnerable to all these needs of food, water, elements. At night, the predators that come, and it's not just animal predators, they're human thieves. And so thievery is like a good, this is a real thing, a good sheep thief can steal an entire flock of sheep. And one shepherd that was interviewed apparently had his flock stolen three times. Can you imagine like you turn your head and somehow your flock is missing three times? But it probably works because sheep follow sheep. And if you start stealing a few, the rest will go, oh, okay, we're going this way, and they will follow. And so they're vulnerable in so many different ways. And in the same way, us as a church, we are vulnerable. Being a Christian, that's sort of good news, though, isn't it? That we don't have to have it all together to recognize that perhaps God chooses the metaphor of a flock of sheep is because we aren't so smart and independent. We are actually quite dependent, quite unable to do all that we desire to do before ourselves. We can't quite care for ourselves. We can't quite follow God against all the influences around us, against all the seasons of life that come upon us by ourselves. We need a shepherd. We're vulnerable. We desperately need someone to take care of us, and we need a great shepherd. 
The other part is that sheep face predators. And in the Christian walk, you know that the road isn't easy. You know, to become a Christian is not an invitation to a life that is now paved in gold. Amen? (laughs) I think we all agree that we have faced hardship and all kinds of things have happened despite having come to know Christ. Christ being our Savior doesn't mean he plucks us out of this world and gives us a bubble life. It means that he walks with us through it. And so there are temptations that come upon us. Um, living counterculturally as a Christian and following the path of God against consumerism, against, you know, where it's such a me-centered culture. And it's, it's all around. There's so many forces and things around us that we face every single day. It is a battle that we live every single day. And some battles, you know, we're facing right now. And at one day, we'll get out of it. But that doesn't mean that there's no more battles ahead. It means that there are still more, but our shepherd is going to be there with us. And just like the sheep, perhaps we are, the metaphor is a sheep because you are facing battles and you will always have battles. There will always be opposition to work against as you're following Christ. Sometimes it'll get easier, but there will be something more. And perhaps that's why um, a good picture of that is verse 10, right before our passage, that's familiar to many of us. The thief comes only comes only to steal and kill and destroy. And this is a spiritual battle that we're in. And our enemy is out to steal, kill, and destroy. He doesn't want us to end up well-fed, content, grazing happily on the pasture. He is out. And to be a Christian means you are working against those forces, but not by yourself. And so sheep belong to a flock. We, you, I belong to the church, the flock of Christ. And we are dependent upon him. And the last thing is about the flock is that a healthy flock enjoys the commitment of and relationship with a good shepherd. The fate of any flock is dependent on the shepherd they have. And so this passage today is really good news because so much of the life of a sheep, so much of your life as a Christian, of my life, of us as a church is dependent on our shepherd. It's not up to us because there's very little we can do. As a sheep, I can't calculate how far the next water source is and strategize with my fellow sheep how far we're going to walk. We're just dependent on, I hope the shepherd knows what he's doing and I hope he leads me well. You know, we're so dependent. And so what do we see in this passage? The first thing, you know, we see is that Jesus in this, just these few verses we looked at, 11 through 16, is he paints a picture contrasting the good shepherd and the hired hand. And he points out that the higher hand is in it just for the money, right? It's just a temporary job. He's just looking for some cash. So whatever happens to the sheep, a wolf comes. Oh, yeah, there's no way this hired hand is going to stick around and possibly face death or scratches or get hurt in some way. The sheep are not worth it to him. He goes running. But Jesus says he's the good shepherd who lays down his life for the sheep. Jesus is committed to you in whatever season you face to walk through it with you. When a wolf comes your way, whatever that may be, whatever storm that may be, whatever how oppressive something may be, Jesus doesn't say, oh no, that's too messy for me. He faces it, goes in front of you to face a situation and whatever it may be and faces it and lays down his life. He's willing to put down his life for you, for the church. And we see that literally, don't we? Um, How incredible is it that our God you know, who is over all, who with his, just his words can 
create, can bring to life, can bring order out of chaos. That Jesus was there, but he left everything, all glory, all power, and came to be one of us, one of the sheep. Was born as a vulnerable baby. You know, anything could have happened to him. All so that he could live and ultimately die on the cross to give us true life, to break the power of sin. And sheep were often used for offerings, but they kept failing, right? They had to just keep offering sheep over and over again. But Jesus came as a perfect lamb of God to offer his life. And so in John 1.29, John the Baptist refers to him and says, Look, Jesus, the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Jesus became one of us and became the perfect sacrifice, identifying with us so that he could break the stronghold of sin so that we could live life to the full and abundantly. This is an incredible shepherd who not only just was a caring and committed shepherd, he became one of us to truly die for us and set us free. And so we see that he is a good shepherd who lays down his life for the sheep. And he's not just a hardworking shepherd. Shepherd, life was exhausting. There's this quote from about a shepherd's life, and it says, on some high moor, across which at night hyenas howl. Can you imagine your job being one you're up 24-7 and you hear hyenas around you by yourself? Um, When you meet him, sleepless, farsighted, weather-beaten, armed, leaning on his staff and looking out over his scattered sheep, everyone on his heart, you understand why Christ took him as a type of self-sacrifice. A shepherd's job wasn't easy. I mean, you're laying down your life, you're facing predators, you're facing all the elements of weather. And Jesus says all that lives with us in the day-to-day grind of just the ordinary, the things that take a toll on us. But more than that, it says here, I know my own and my own know me, that there's this relationship that is able to be had with the sheep. And that that it will be the same kind of intimacy as it says here in verse 15, just as the father knows me and I know the father. That this shepherd that we have, that is shepherd over this flock, the church, is not just doing a job or just really good at his job or just cares about us in general, but he's committed enough to lay down his life. And he actually wants to enjoy relationship with us. How amazing is that? A shepherd that delights in knowing us. So an actual shepherd, someone who's a real shepherd with real sheep, um, they spend so much time with the sheep that every single one of them, even if they can have up to 500 sheep in their flock, they get to know them because they're constantly together. They know their birth circumstances for every single sheep, the health history of the sheep, of each one, Um, Their eating habits, because some are funny, like they like to graze in certain types of grass, not others, or they do funny little things. They all have their quirks, and they have other idiosyncrasies. And you know, Jesus is not only our Savior who came to die for us, our committed shepherd, but he knows you. He loves and enjoys, he wants to know you and delights in a relationship with you, so he knows your birth circumstances, how you came into this world. Um, He knows your health history. He knows your eating habits and your idiosyncrasies. You are someone that is created to be known by a shepherd. And to the level of intimacy, not just that he knows us, but he died so that we can also know him. And so to the level of intimacy that Jesus knows God the Father and the Father knows Jesus, that's incredible. So my question to you is, how is your intimacy with this shepherd? Um, 
He wants to know you. He wants to know all the details of your life. You're not a task like the hired hand would see you as. And so when we look at this shepherd, the other thing that we see is that at the very end, it says, I have other sheep that are not of the sheep pen. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice. The flock that we belong to is not exclusive and Jesus was speaking to Jews. It wasn't just for the Jews. It was extended through the death of Jesus to all people, all of us, Gentiles. Everyone is there. Anyone who chooses to come to this shepherd can be part of this flock. It's not only up to a certain number. And that's beautiful news that is not exclusive. Um, Within this flock, you know, sometimes in the church, we may have experiences of inside, outside. But the flock we are meant to be is not exclusive, but open-hearted, hospitable, just as our shepherd is. If new sheep come who are kind of strange, who kind of act a little different, who smell like they've been hanging around other flocks that you're like, hmm, questionable, right? But the church is the most inviting flock of all, and that is what we're meant to be. So this is probably why God chooses not goats, but a flock of sheep to reflect us. And so when we look at this, we see Jesus is so vital to the church. I love that, you know, because sometimes we take Christianity as if a lot of the burden is on us. I got to be more. I got to do more. I need to pray and do da 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 And then my relationship with God is great. But if you look at this passage, really a lot of the heavy lifting is on Jesus, is on the shepherd. What can the sheep do? Very little, except one thing. What the sheep's job is, is to listen and follow the voice of the shepherd. And so it's so important that you know the voice of your shepherd, not just any voice, but a sheep over time, actually, as they're relating to the shepherd, recognizes faces and recognizes a voice. So truly, shepherds can take a whole flock and be able to control that flock just by speaking. So they call the sheep by name, they can whistle, and there's a voice relationship. It's fascinating that it's not just the shepherd has to lay breadcrumbs along the trail. Come, sheep, here are the breadcrumbs, or here's a bit of grass, but just has to call. And our job as sheep is simply that. God does the heavy lifting. Jesus died on the cross for us. He takes care of us. He's committed to us no matter what we face. And he calls us as the church to listen to his voice, and to follow him. And so in your listening, how well are you able to hear that voice? Um, sometimes it's our intuition we may listen to because it's our default. Like sheep, oh look, patch of grass across a cliff, but that cliff doesn't look too bad. It looks kind of short maybe. So I'm going to jump. You know, our intuitions are kind of like that sheep in Turkey that thought it could make it. And we are not the wisest people. We know far less, and our intuitions are often wrong, and so we need the word of God. That's one way to know the shepherd's voice. Another way to know is the same way that sheep, new sheep, get introduced to a flock. When new sheep get introduced to a flock, the way they get to know the shepherd is all they do is watch the other sheep because <laughs> they follow each other. And so then when the shepherd calls, the original sheep go, oh, it's our shepherd, let's go, let's go, and they follow happily. And they're like, little lambs will apparently gamble at the feet of the shepherd. They really delight in their shepherd. And then the new ones go, oh, 
people are going places, let's go. And so they follow the new sheep at first until they become to recognize the other, the shepherd's voice for themselves. What a beautiful image for the church. You know, all of us came to know Christ because of someone else. None of us came to know Christ by ourselves. So how can we live for Christ by ourselves? If the entryway in is through a community, our flock, it is just not possible to continue just on our own. We need the huddle. We need people around us, other sheep who know that shepherd's voice maybe a little better. So when they start moving, we know which way to move because we don't always hear perfectly. And so I recognize today that in a church of our size, there are plenty of people who have been hurt by experiences within the flock. There are terrible shepherds. God calls out terrible shepherds throughout the Bible, leaders in his body um, that have just been harmful, that have made the sheep scatter. There are, you know, incidences within the church members who, where it can be harmful and hurtful, and you just want to keep distance. Like, thank you for helping me know Jesus, someone out there, but right now I just want distance and I will graze in this patch of grass. I'm pretty content. I hear the shepherd's voice, you know, and I can do this on my own. And I totally understand that desire to keep distance. But at the same time, I really want to recognize this truth that we are the flock of Christ, that there's no such thing as a solo journey with Christ, that he calls us a flock because we are meant to be in a body. And so that doesn't mean plugging into every single thing that new life does, but somewhere to get connected with someone that you may feel safe with, um, that knows the shepherd's voice. Do not isolate yourself, no matter what you've been through, because that is a great way for the enemy to come along and say, who's the easiest target? It's not the sheep that are clustered together. It's the ones that have started to wander off, hearing other, looking at other pickings of grass or keeping distance from the flock. So I really encourage you today, without diminishing that your pain is real, to be connected in some way to the flock. And for us as a church to care for one another, to look out and see and be a sheep that moves the other sheep in the right direction, that helps us move not towards the edge of a cliff, but to be one that can lead in the right way. As we close, I want us to look at a psalm that is very familiar to us. And I want us to know that for sheep, to see this kind of image, these are little lambs, aren't they adorable? And they just look so peaceful. But for this to happen, and sheep do this, you know, on the hillside, they just sit and they're content. Their bellies are full, they have water, they're enjoying life. But this is only possible actually for sheep if they're being well cared for. If they have a good shepherd, you know that there's a good shepherd when sheep are doing this. Because if there's a sense of unsafety, and sheep also remember and recognize abusive shepherds. But if there's a good shepherd, they do this because they have a sense of safety and satisfaction. They're able to just sit and rest and not feel anxious. And this is why they can lie down in green pastures. And so as I uh, read Psalm 23, I just want to read it as a kind of prayer over us. That we would recognize that we are part of a flock. And to be committed to being in a flock, to recognize that we are not solo journeyers, and to recognize that we have a good shepherd with whom, that as we grow in intimacy with him, more and more of this kind of shalom, this peace, is how we go through life. Even in a pandemic, 
even through all the craziness of life that is going on around all of us, that within us and within the body and the flock of Christ, we can experience such peace because we know who's doing the heavy lifting and that he won't abandon us. So I invite you to close your eyes as I read this psalm over us as a prayer, and then I'll close with a word of prayer. Psalm 23 says, The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Father, we recognize in this room, online, in our gathering here today, that we are all in very different places. We are sheep in very different seasons, but that we are part of the same flock. And God, like sheep, we don't have much that we can take care of. There are so many elements that we can't control of our lives. And so, shepherd, we look to you today. Whatever it is that is being faced in this flock, Father, we lay it at your feet. We know that you already know those things, that you're familiar that you're already moving on our behalf to take care of us, to feed us, to water us, to nourish us. God, I pray for us as a church, as a one flock, that we would increase our trust of you, that our job is just to follow, but we need to be able to hear you. And so help us as a flock to know your voice so that we can follow you and experience that rest in our souls. God, we know that in your hands, because you died on the cross and broke the stronghold of powers and principalities, that in following you, we can enter shalom every single day. And so I pray that peace over all of my brothers and sisters. And I just pray that as a church together, we can huddle close and not separate under stress and pandemics and times when we're all separated by doing a lot of things virtually but that we will still huddle together in the midst of it, recognizing that we need one another and we need each other to follow you well. And so would you use each of us as a sheep today to be a contributor to following the shepherd well? We bless you, God, and we thank you for being our shepherd. In Jesus' name we pray. Thank you, Pastor Helen. That was a wonderful reminder for me, and I hope it was for you as well, um, of how God sees us, how he cherishes us, um, how he tends to us, how he wants to see us. And I I have a couple of questions for you as we um, just prepare to close. The first one is, are you allowing God to see you? Are you allowing him to see you? I know he can see you. You know he can see you. But also the invitation is, are you allowing him to see you? Are you opening yourself up 
being vulnerable so that he can see you, see you where you are, see you as he sees you, the blessing that you are to the world. And then the second thing is, are you allowing others to see you? And I think the second question depends on the first, because it's highly unlikely if we're not willing to let God see us, we're not going to be willing to let others see us either. They go hand in hand. And so the good news today, the good news that I have for you is that he already knows you. You don't have to hide anything. He already knows you. He knows everything about you, everything that will be about you. He knows you. And so it's a gift to be seen by someone who knows you. Someone who knows you and loves you more than you can ever imagine. What a privilege. And so I know the second community is messy. Are we going to be perfect in our relationships with each other? As Pastor Helen said, there's going to be pain. Are we going to be perfect? No, we're not. But we're not meant to be alone. We are the church. We are the church. We are by definition a gathering. We are by definition plural, not singular. And so maybe this summer, um, I realize a lot of small groups are taking a break just for August. And um, maybe what you need to do is first just take some time and just evaluate your relationship with the Lord and how you see that relationship. Are you holding him at a distance? You know, do you have the staff? Are you kind of pushing him back? Or are you allowing him to hold you close to himself? And once you take some time to think about that and sort through that, maybe your next step is just to figure out how can I step a little closer to others that are near me? How can I take a risk? For some of us, I know it's a risk and it's scary, but how can I take a risk so that I don't isolate? This pandemic does not mean that we have to live an isolated life. It does not mean that. We can still be connected. And there are opportunities for you to be connected. And if you really don't know what those opportunities are, then we have a community life team and there are people on that team that love to connect you and find ways for you to stay in community. So just reach out. Go online. Fill out the next step card. Say, hey, I I don't even know what I need next, but I need something. Take a risk. And so I'm going to dismiss us. I'm going to pray a blessing over each and every one of us. For those of you that are in the room, I'm just going to ask that you would please stay seated. I'll have some more uh, instructions for you um, after the blessing. Okay? So just open up your hands. And, you know, more than ever, we want to make sure that every time we close our gathering, that we are saying a blessing over ourselves, each and every one of us. Um, These are the things that carry us, again, carry us closer to him. Help us remember how cherished we are. So brothers and sisters and sons and daughters of the living God, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May his face shine upon you. And as you think of yourself in these days and weeks to come, that you would see yourself as a precious, precious commodity of the living God. 
that you would remember that it is not his desire that you would fall off a cliff. It's his desire that you would hear his voice, that you would follow his voice, that you would know the loving God that he intends to be towards you, that you would have peace and that you would have joy. And so it's in the name of our gracious, kind, merciful, and loving God that I bless you. In Jesus' name, amen. Have a great week, everybody. So those of you that are here, you finally got to see Bob.